Oh wow, Scott, this is this is a nice room, but uh, what's with all the mics and equipment? I mean, that giant table. Aren't you trying to move? Really? This isn't funny. Uh, seriously, when did you get all this stuff, Scott? Uh, Mark, the joke's getting old. It's a podcast. You know that. What joke? What podcast are you talking about? Scott, this is going to be a really difficult podcast if he's going to stay in this character. It's worse than Lord... This one's worse than your Lord Rage Master. What Lord Rage Master? What are you guys talking about? He's not in character. This all makes sense. Really? How so? After so much crap, he was starting to lose his mind. It created a feedback loop between his sense of ethics and his sense of enjoyment of science fiction. Despite the fact he chose most of it? Exactly, because he chose most of it. Ironic. I figured we'd go nuts first. What are you guys talking about? Watching what? I guess... I have to be honest with you. For the past five years, we've been part of a science fiction podcast. Your character was the Rage Master. After watching a bunch of crappy, and frankly, disgusting films, you lost your mind. So I hired someone to hypnotize the memories away from you without you knowing. Um, Scott, uh, I don't think that one's ethical at all. I, I totally agree. How dare you? Give me my memories back, jerk. I'm not sure you want to have all that back. That's not your call. I get to make that call. Uh, I guess I, I, I think I agree with him. I'm sorry, Scott. Look, I have made a decision about what's best for you and what's best for this podcast. And I am not... Willing to debate it. And Thomas, I've already hypnotized one cast member. Don't make me go after you. You know, maybe I would agree with you if I had my memories back. Give me a back and then I'll make the call. Fine. The hypnotist told me that would restore your memories. Coming back yet? Uh, well, let me see here. Um, let's see. Uh, huh. E.T. Turkish clay potato. <laughs> That's pretty bad. But funny, so but not insanity inducing. And well, let's see what else we got here. Is that Star Wars? What <laughs> is that just guys sitting in front of a screen watching? I mean, <laughs> is look at this training montage, man. I mean, it it's not as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special, but still pretty craptastic. And, uh, oh, no. Is that a Superman action figure flying in front of a screen? <laughs> oh, guys, come on. You were worried. I went nuts over this. This is funny. It's bad, but it's not bad that bad. Just just wait. All right, well, uh, let's see. I'm uh, remembering something else here. Firing satellites at storms with Gerard Butler. What the frick is... And then the president trying to... Uh, That's Geostorm. He's remembering Geostorm. Oh, boy. What? Why is the molecular structure of everything just giving up and 
stuff just falling apart. And why is why is this movie so long? And oh no, John Cusack, what have you done to your sterling career? 2012. Oh man. Well, oh look, we got a space epic in the 80s. That's I, I'm I'm digging it. Oh oh my gosh, look at that creepy guy. Oh, that's a terrible sound. Oh, 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 he's sucking the life force out of that guy. Oh, life force. Oh, man, that man, he's that's pretty bad. What what's with this naked chick? How come she's naked the whole time? The guy likes voyeurism. This movie's gross. Yep, that's life force for you. And uh, who Christopher Walken, accomplished actor and. I didn't want to see him naked and in a strange alien ship. What's with all these? Why would you kiss the alien? Getting worse now. Oh, the worst is yet to come, though. And we have oh, Billy Zane's naked butt. We watched this and well, I mean, that alien looks OK. Oh. Oh, God, no. No! God, no! No! Nichelle Nichols dancing on a hill. There Nichelle it is. Nichelle Nichols there dancing naked on a hill. It's not making anything better. Why? Why would you let me remember this? You, you asked. You knew better. Now I'm trying to erase this with Nichelle Nichols <laughs> dancing naked. It is a 50-year-old on a... Oh, God, that movie. Why? God, Shander, Why? Maybe, Scott, you were right. Maybe I will accept a lobotomy, too. Sci-fi malady. Symptom 225. Latent image. Oh, Voyager. Last week... Our fearless leader and our hero, Captain Janeway, ordered Tuvix to kill himself to possibly bring back from the dead Neelix and Tuvok. Well, this week, she's not going around ordering anyone to kill themselves, but she is going to order them to stand by and wait to be lobotomized, whether they want to or not. It's latent image. Thomas, you asked me, I can't wait to hear why you chose this one. What exactly was it maybe that made you ask that? Well, the reason I asked I asked that was I kind of get it because it's a one that would fit with you and the questions you ask. But it was also one where I'm like, this one doesn't seem, I don't remember this one being like the best or the greatest episode. So I was kind of wondering... What made you pick it? Because, I mean, it does ask some good questions, but... That, that's exactly why. You know, after I watched this, I thought, what are you talking about? This is exactly up Scott's alley. This is, uh, I mean, we, we have a discussion about, I mean, Seven of Nine puts it best when she says, I have a, I'm trying to figure out identity. Well, whenever you're talking about personhood, I mean, that's like, Scott's sci-fi stiffy right there. I mean, it it just whenever you talk about identity, the soul, uh, uh, 
the measure of a man, no pun intended, and humanity in general, that is right up his alley. So essentially, this is asking the question, is the hologram, and I don't recall the names as well, the doctor, what's his name? He has no name. He's just a doctor. Okay. He's just Doc. So the ho- Doc, the hologram, is he a person? Because Janeway says basically to the effect, yes, he is. We've given him personality. As opposed We've given to- him a soul. Where Yeah, she says soul. Whereas in the first season, I do remember he was just the hologram saying, state the nature of your medical emergency. And, and, and a little terse. But now we're giving him a soul. But at the same time, Janeway's debating and comparing him to a replicator, which even to me was like, Janeway, what are you? What the heck? And well, so, this is also the big problem being this is after next gen where data's already been given personhood. Right. So this seems right up Scott's alley after I saw it. And so we'll start out this episode the way we do every trekking into the New Year episode. Why did I pick this one at number three for Star Trek Voyager? Well, two things. One, everything Mark just said. This episode, if you if you crave ethical science fiction, it is a delicious buffet. Because you have, is the doctor a person? Well, first and foremost, is the doctor a person? Second, you have a commentary going on about the nature of mental illness and the fact that what is the road to recovering from a mental illness? Because you can say the doctor is either having post-traumatic stress or that he's having an obsessive compulsive breakdown that he can't resolve. Or, yeah, or he's, that this is his first experience trying to feel guilt or doubt. Yep. He's never experienced this. He explicitly says I'm programmed to be indifferent to death. Right. And clearly he's put it, found himself in a situation where there was no ideal triage. You have, you have, so you have on the surface is the doctor a person. You have a commentary about mental illness and how it affects individuals. You have a commentary about mental illness and how it affects the people around you. You have a commentary that asks if you, if you're struggling with a traumatic event, you always wonder if I could just delete it from my brain and go back to being happy again, I would. And this kind of, there's a discussion about, is that the right way to go? You have a discussion about a medical doctor who has two identical patients to save. One is his friend. One is not. Why did that factor into his decision and why he can't live with that guilt? You have the question of, is Janeway within her ethical rights to order the lobotomy? Which is what it is. She's forcing a lobotomy against someone against his will because she knows what's best. Not only one time, she's forcing the lobotomy over and over again because it keeps failing. You have so many ethical dilemmas. But the other part about this, and I think that the, the, the episode allows you to make some of your own decisions as well as trying to suggest what it does think the right path for a lot of these things are. But in addition, Rage, you asked me a question to start off trekking into the new year. Why was Voyager, as we've gone through the years, one of the lesser liked by the fans, not as well liked as Next Gen or TOS or Deep Space Nine in general? Now, some people will tell me it is as well liked, but generally I believe those people are wrong. It's, it's generally not seen as the best that Star Trek did. But this episode is fantastic. But it also shows you everywhere that Voyager goes wrong. In a scenario too. 
garbage science, something about um, a spinal shunt and an electromagnetic pulse disrupting things and the neuroengrams reestablishing themselves. I you oh, know, don't forget also apparently if you delete stuff, it doesn't delete it. And well, that's real. I, I, yes, but n- not in that way that they showed it. In I the had end, less though, problem buying that than last week's science. Yeah. With two oh, yeah. Picks I agree. The, I agree. Even the roses wind up in the uniform somehow. It's like, what? They, I mean, they, this is easy. Oh. They just needed they just needed the doctor to have to only be able to save one of the two. Yeah. OK, but I, I think the biggest problem you have here and it, it, it shows where Voyager fails is you have totalitarian dictatorial despotic Janeway on display in the first half of this episode. And then in the middle of the episode, she switches to becoming enlightened, caring, mothering Janeway. Literally between, I want to say it's act two and act three. She goes from comparing the doctor to a replicator in a way that is so harsh that the reformed Borg drone who assimilated trillions and still doesn't truly understand emotion and individuality looks at her and goes, Boy, that's harsh and you're wrong. And if you come across so cold in your actions towards someone that a barely reformed Borg drone looks at you and says, I think you're heartless here. And then out of nowhere, she decides she's not going to do this lobotomy for the third time. And she's going to be the caring, nurturing, mothering, human embodiment of everything Starfleet is. Maybe it's because the Borg told him, told her that. And she realized, oh, geez, the yep. Borg is accusing me of this. Because at the end of the day, now, and I'm sure Thomas is thinking of this and I'm going to agree with him. But isn't the captain of a ship, isn't that a non-democratic thing? Because it, 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 if you're looking at it in terms of despotism, a captain does have... Now, yes, of course, there's rules, but a captain does have an awful lot of authority on a vessel. Yes, but what is the difference between a benevolent autark and a military despot? Well, you're getting into a different one, but yes, Mark, you're right in one aspect that, yes, a captain of a ship, there is no democracy in that situation. Captains have pretty much absolute authority. Yeah, when the captain says, close, close the... Uh, close off the bulkhead because it's going to have to. Yes, but people are going to have to die. That's you know. but yeah. Th- but then we go into this thing that I found different with this one. Last one is still iffy, but this one was you're now doing something that really has you're going into a, a medical area. Which gets iffy with how much authority commanding officers have over anyone sub subservient to them in medical fields because technically speaking a doctor on a ship can overrule a captain that's true in medical fields that's true also they can be overruled in a few other ways but there's so you got that and also she also does some stuff with like just way going beyond any boundaries that normally are placed with captains and the subordinates she walks into seven of nine's sleeping she's basically walks up to seven of nine who's asleep wakes her up from sleep and goes we're talking i'm sorry what yeah i love the dichotomy of how that scene played out in act three versus act two 
In Act 2, Seven asks to come into Janeway's quarter. She says, okay. And Janeway says, there's a time and a place for these discussions, and it's not right now at 2 in the morning in my quarters. Later, Janeway simply walks into Seven's alcove, sees she's sleeping, decides to wake her up, and says, I want to have a conversation about the nature of individuality, and now's the time to have it, because I say it is. I didn't yeah. even read that much into that scene, actually. Well, there well, was far more insignificant. Yeah, there was, but, but notice that Janeway uses the same things that Seven said to her in reverse. But also, when you're talking about, like, a captain of a ship, you would know, I want to talk to someone. You call them to your room. Yes. You don't go walking into their, you know, rack and go, we're chatting. This what? is Well, remember, this is Star Trek <laughs> where they're a paramilitary science try to figure it out in the middle organization. Yeah. Which, Scott, yeah. You, which Scott, you've pointed out that, uh, are, I'm Starfleet. Am I a military organization? Am I a science exploration group? I don't know. You're definitely a, a military, um, but uh, there is no science organization group that carries around uh, weapons that can destroy a planet. Uh, Arguable, but that's a with a military. Issue. That's okay. a separate. Let, let me that's just say this: issue. maybe they're scientists with weapons that can destroy a planet, but they don't refer to each other as captain and admiral. Okay. And I, I will okay. give you that. Okay. <laughs> All right, let, but let's bring it back. Um, no, this is. But this is where I said this episode shows you where Voyager can be great. And it shows you where Voyager went wrong. So every time that Voyager puts itself into a situation where there generally is one of two options and neither of them are good and there isn't a third save the day and everything comes out peachy keen option and they remember that they're lost in the Delta Quadrant and they have to rely on themselves and their medical doctor has gone insane and they need their doctor because someone who took a quarter of field medic classes at the academy in Tom Paris isn't going to make a good backup doctor. No, no um, really. Board no. nanoprobes don't cure everything yet. Yet. They do by season seven, but not yet. Um, so you need your doctor. You absolutely need him. Janeway has no good option. She either needs to delete him and lobotomize him so she has a doctor to keep everyone else alive, or she needs to work him through his debilitating psychiatric break. No good third option. She's tried lobotomy two times, so why the heck not try no lobotomy the third time? But Voyager remembers this, and it's great. But Voyager also ran into a lot of problems with the fans when um, you started to see the split nature of Janeway. And, and at times, she talks about clinging to principles and remembering your ethics and your values and your morals and standing by them, and she tells Captain Ransom and Equinox... Um, Captain Ransom tells her it's easy to cling to your morals when you're standing on a ship where your bulkhead is intact. It's not so easy this way. Janeway, and then she says, it's never easy. And, and it's, it's such, you look at moments like this where she's not clinging to her morals. There's no way in your right mind that you can consider a forced, unwilling lobotomy a moral action. There's no way in your right mind that you can consider ordering someone to kill himself Especially, who doesn't want to a moral action, right? Moral different. Especially within the Federation, which has right. very clear, I mean, individualism is highly sought after. But in one episode, it's bad enough when this goes episode to episode. And within an episode, it's good Starfleet ethical Janeway who says ethics are the most important thing. And then in the next episode, you know, she's, she's this person. You look at the episode right before this encounter point, she's smuggling uh, psionic crew members 
through space where the people will not abide psionics and will arrest or kill them on sight and risks her entire crew for it because it's the moral and right thing to do, even though she doesn't know these people. And in the next episode, she's going to lobotomize the doctor against his will. And then halfway through that, decide that she's a champion of human rights and artificial intelligence. But isn't that a kind of character you like, Scott? Not to this level. Okay. Because... I think the there's a uh, level of bad. whiplash that is a yeah. bit extreme. This okay. is the other okay. problem. I would this. agree with you. I was just asking. I said before that Star Trek had figured out the theory that works. It's a Doctor episode. It's a Janeway episode. It's a Tuvok episode. It's a Tom episode. Okay. Isn't this like half Doc and half Janeway? That's the thing. This is supposed to be a Doctor episode, but there can never just be a Doctor episode because it always has to be about how amazing Janeway is. So in the middle of this episode about the Doctor, they hijack it to show you Janeway's hero's journey from authoritarian despot who doesn't respect the sentience of the doctor to caring motherly steward who's going to get her crew home and intact and do the right thing. And how does that vary with uh, TNG where Picard is always awesome and right? But that's not, they will step Picard aside in episode. Okay. The best Star Trek, the next generation episode ever is the best of both worlds. And it's not a Borg episode. It's not a Picard episode. It's a Riker episode. The whole two-part episode is about the evolution of Will Riker and everything that he's taken and grown as a man from season one to the end of season three so that when Captain Picard is on the Borg ship, he's going to give the order to fire knowing that in if it works, it's going to kill the Borg and Captain Picard. And he doesn't hesitate. Earlier in that episode, Commander Shelby tells him he can't make the big decisions. And then he will make all the decisions for his ship and for the fate of the human race. It is a Riker episode through okay. and through and through. Okay, but I said I was asking about Picard because Picard, all those episodes were about how awesome he was. Heck, I remember when they did the season finale with Lore and they weren't sure what to do. And my dad joked and said, Picard's, you know, who's going to save the day, Hugh? And Picard's not going to infect the Borg because he's always right in doing the humanist thing. So two different episodes, and that's but yeah. Ex- yeah, right. But exactly what happened, what exactly yes. as he, and you told me in school, I told you what my dad said and you came back and went, well, your dad was right. Yep. Look, but I Borg was a Picard episode. It's okay to have Picard be awesome in a Picard episode. But and you could say that that Picard broke through to make contact with Data and it steals the show about how awesome Picard is at the end of Best of Both Worlds 2. But for the most part, those episodes knew who they were about. These episodes always find some way okay. to shoehorn Janeway back into I every get single what one. What you're saying is you're having her step on someone else's arc. Exactly. Okay. Repeatedly. And if you just it's, it's not the fact that they're having to show her as awesome because they did that with Picard. It's that when there was an episode that wasn't about how awesome Picard was, they at least made Picard second banana. Correct. And and this is not supposed to be a show about how awesome. It wasn't supposed to be a Janeway learned something episode. And well, they turned it into okay. a Janeway okay. learned something episode. Well, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with you. And also for the simple fact that, again, the, the whole show seems to forget what it is most of the time. Yep. Because it's like, oh, we're, we're, we're years away from being home and we are limited resources. But the next episode, we're going to have unlimited resources again and be totally fine. Correct. But, 
oh, the next one yep. we're going to be in a complete disaster again because we're far away from home and everyone can't cope. But now everyone's coping just fine the next episode after that. It, yep. It just bounced and whiplashed quite a bit. Right. And that's, you know, look, and that's the other thing. I would have liked to have seen the Doctor struggle with this for a couple episodes after it instead of being back to normal and Bride of Chaotica the next, the next episode, the very next episode. But... I'm starting to sound like I hate the episode, and I don't. It's a very good episode. I'm giving you my best episodes of Voyager, but it's I come back to that question as to why do I have a not a love-hate relationship with Voyager, but a, a need to tell you that it's it's the inferior, in my mind, show of the, of the other three that we've already reviewed. But let's get in to why we love this show, or I love this episode. And the bottom line here is there is so much excellent stuff to talk about. Let's kick it off immediately with the most important thing well not immediately let's kick it off 25 minutes into the episode of the first question <laughs> that you have to answer for your framework on everything else that comes in this episode is the doctor sapient sentient and entitled to self-determination and basic uh, human rights i would say this, back to this question does the doctor have a soul is he alive should he be in control of his own destiny okay now i would again this is if we're going on starfleet's definition yes because they already did this with data so pretty much absolutely he falls within the same category as data he just doesn't actually have a physical body this time a photonic body it's a little weirder but still Personally, I kind of fall in the same category I think I fell with Data, which was, it's a computer program. I don't think it has the same capabilities as a human does, the same flaws that the human does, which results in the uniqueness of a human being. And I don't know if I can personally say it would be human or sapient in that way. But again, Starfleet's already ruled on this, so I don't even know why there was a debate over it within the show. Okay, so a couple of things that come to mind. <clears throat> One, I'm remi- I'm reminded of the machines, the AIs from Dune, where they had to make the rule that thou shalt not make a machine in human image or whatever. No thinking machine. Because they became a threat. And it was, there was almost an acknowledgement among in Dune that these aren't humans. They're just made in the image of humans. Uh, I know that's a different franchise, but it's a consideration that, uh, does it, I'm kind of applying that. I'm applying the, uh, Judeo-Christian belief, but you know what? I'll step aside from that for a minute because I know that wouldn't inform Star Trek. I'm going to pull out this interesting distinction. We know scientifically, and this is something Starfleet would consider, there are roughly six criteria to declare something living. Data and this program do not fulfill them. They don't. So uh, if your whole argument is, well, they're alive because they have intelligence and possibly a personality. That doesn't scientifically make something living. Um, and Starfleet would go by the science. What were the six? Do you remember? Uh, I could look it up, but like some of them are rep- reproduction. Um, Here it is. Yeah. Um, 
order, sensitivity or response to the environment, reproduction, growth and development, regulation, homeostasis and energy processing. Yeah. So now data could argue would be energy processing with a battery or something. I would say the only thing that he can't meet their data or the doctor is reproduction. Yeah, which well, again, since that- da- since data's already again, this this is why I think that you I understand, but since ruling on data has already been made in this universe, that would be a ruling that would have to be taken into account. And since that's right, a pre-existing but- ruling, it would go I'm forward. Back- I also see I'm this one: homeostasis, reproduction, metabolism, DNA, heredity. Exactly. That's kind of the same. I'm backpedaling to the fact that data probably wouldn't have been declared as such because of those things. But even if you declare data, this is a hologram. I mean, data could at least try to invoke some of those things on physical property alone, whereas it's a hologram. Well, so. It basically that's like saying at this point, well, I guess holodeck illusion, I guess holodeck things are real living people. Why not? You can have a holodeck character feel sad. I guess they're alive, too. Well, it comes down to and there's a lot of struggles with this because it comes down to this is where the doctor was an issue because they get into this later with Fairhaven where Janeway reprograms her holographic boyfriend. Um yeah, I didn't go to that one at least, but that one, I'm surprised that one doesn't show up. But um, Oh boy, that was a complicated one. That's a bad one. Fairhaven, better off without it. Anyway, um, the doctor as a priest, though, is amazing. Um, it's the same like personifying a cat. I mean, well, a cat's a living thing, but it's not a human. Well, I can sit yes. there and talk to my cat and treat it like a human but it's still a cat. Yeah, but the difference is that the doctor, your cat isn't, your cat is aware of itself, but it's not aware of itself and its relation to the rest of the sure, world. Sure, but I'm saying that Starfleet would use the scientific well, well, this is determination, yeah, but the, again, it doesn't fit the bill. Just not having a body, I don't know if counts, being, again, within this universe, because oh. within this universe, it, this photonic... <laughs> program has gone way past what it was originally put this was a backup doctor yep. which was supposed to literally go on yeah, for a know, couple days they've pers- at best they've personified it but that doesn't mean they're suddenly going to turn their back on scientific principle because they personified a hologram right like i said at that point any holodeck any anything on the holodeck is now alive you kind of had that discussion with moriarty and next generation with the moriarty hologram but um let me let, let me say it like this. I think at some point in the future that the the scientific definition that we're talking about is for organic and biological life. At some point, as artificial intelligence becomes sophisticated enough, we may have to look at what the definition of artificial life is and when that artificial life is guaranteed some right of determination over its existence and how it is treated. Um And I think you'd follow some of the things that we've talked about already. But I always come back down to this when I'm evaluating an android or I'm evaluating artificial life or artificial intelligence for a movie. If it is able to, there's a difference between aping our emotions and actually having them. And the doctor is capable of having real emotions Responding to stimulus and having that stimulus, emotional stimuli, physical stimuli, change his reactions and adapt. He's capable of building relationships. He's capable of being more today than he was yesterday. 
And even more important than that, he's capable of triggering human emotions and those responses in other people, too. It's almost like a Turing test. Well, triggering a, in a response in somebody, that's not a thing. Plus, the doc- I will say this. The doctor even says, I can't feel pain. It's so, true. Well, uh, uh, be careful with that because there are certain humans who have the medical condition where they can't feel pain, so you yeah, can't. Yeah, but then I, they still fall into every other category. Yep. That I'm, I'm going to so. come back to. I think we always usually come out same here. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be like Corey, who once said, "If your toaster starts shooting fireballs at you in your living room or your kitchen, <laughs> what would you do? You tell it make yeah. my toast." But um, well, that's yeah, like Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, do you he do? Did, he did say that. You bring butter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I and, and I, I I agree with you, Scott. That at some point we will, as a society, will have to have a discussion over where the lines are with artificial intelligence and what other rights. But I think the doctor has demonstrated enough advanced <clears throat> emotional awareness that he should be entitled to make this choice himself. That, that's where I come down on this. Okay. Um, and that he is, by the definition of artificial life, I'm going to say he's alive. Okay. Um, so you're on to your earlier question. Is Janeway, Janeway believes that she has the right to make this choice for the doctor. She looks at him and says, I have made a command decision for what's best for this ship and you, and I'm not willing to debate it. Get in the lobotomy machine. Now, I <laughs> I think I might know where Mark lies on this from his discussion last week. Okay. Uh, is, Janeway, is Janeway right? Does she yeah. have this power? Should she have this power? Now, I'm going to make a guess, and Mark might be able to say, no, you're wrong. Okay, but being that on. last week, his debate was sacrifice someone else is uh-huh. for the butter good is okay. Okay. So I'm going to say he's going to say it's right because she sacrificed his brain for the betterment of the entire crew and sacrifice is good. But he can debate that and tell me I'm completely <laughs> okay. wrong. Sure. When he answers, but my thought is no. Because again, we're we're talking about in Starfleet universe. Star Trek universe. Starfleet has very rigid... I'm having trouble speaking now. Rigid protocols and rules and ethics. And this breaches almost every ethics that they hold apparently dear. I mean, self-determination, doing damage. I get the... Again, you need a doctor. But instead of trying anything else, what was her first response? It wasn't, let's see if we can rewrite the program. Can we possibly do something? Can we keep this? Can we figure other ways out? No, it was literally, first response, lobotomy. Literally deleting memories and covering up the memories. Not dealing with the memories, not figuring out some way to quarantine or work through them or do anything else. Or possibly even look at possibly advancing the program. It was just, get rid of the problem right now. Lobotomy. Which, again, I don't think ethically falls under the great field there. But that's my where I stand. Well, uh, Thomas, you were pretty, pretty spot on. Uh, now, here's why. One, and it's what Scott already mentioned. If this doctor goes, medical emergencies become an even bigger problem. And given that the 
you know, when Janeway gets back, if this comes out, she goes to court martial. The assumption that this court martial would unanimously say, how dare you do that to a living being? No, they wouldn't. They would have to sit down and go, well, do we declare him living or not? They would have to have that chat. The assumption that Starfleet would just universally go, die, he's alive because it's the future and we're Starfleet and, 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 and he's sad, so he's living. They wouldn't do that. They'd have a sit down and they'd go, well, let's weigh the options. And we also have to consider there was a crew she had to look after. Well, she made a command decision based on what was the betterment for the greater good, which, by the way, the Vulcans live off of. So if there were any Vulcan in that tribunal, they'd be like, she made the most logical choice. Well, you do have to remember, though, couldn't you just reset the program? If... Isn't that what she did, though? No, she wiped part of the memory. She All didn't right. reset. Well, I mean, I'm yeah, saying if you could if, argue that, but the like point if is, you tried something and it failed spectacularly, you would still have a doctor sure, because you could reset. But sure. But again, going back to a Vulcan, they would say she made the most logical choice. So therefore, um, so there's that. Also, I'm considering modern day because I do know in the U.S. and Canada. There are certain now you do have to go through different committees to ensure this. But if you're, say, a schizophrenic person that's not taking your meds and you become a threat, they can force you to take your meds here and in Canada. Now, you still have to go through different evaluations. You can't just sit the person down and stick them. But if it's determined that if this person doesn't take their meds, they are going to be a threat to society. Force them. Force them. And I know it. I know that's the way it is now. Yeah. So yes. therefore, Janeway, was it the best decision? Well, as Scott said, she was not going to be able to make the perfect moral happy uh, decision. But she made one based on the circumstance. And would there be a tribunal? Yeah, there would. But it oh. wouldn't be so cut and dry. It wouldn't be like a clearly. Uh, I, I don't know if I would. I'm saying it was clear and cut and dry. I, I, But I think she made the right call. Now, is she erratic in her behavior in this episode? Oh, absolutely. I won't deny that. I, I just wish she would make a little more deliberation, let's say, on lobotomy instead of just... If you're just going Start to instantly go... Again. Your first option is instant delete memories without even thinking of anything else or even mentioning that you thought of anything else and you know she well but here's the thing too she says we gave him a soul and there is given the circumstance that they're in there is a manner of psychology here now i know in tng they had counselors aboard the ship do they have any aboard the voyager it died in the initial she died in the initial episode i shouldn't say it she died in the initial (laughs) episode that got them lost in the delta quadrant so they had no medical team no okay so so this in the one show that a counselor would have been useful (laughs) yes so this guy it, it, you mean a prolonged deployment might need counseling on the flying holiday inn in space so, we have counselors right next to the captain at all times. So in this show? Nope. <laughs> so it it seems like he kind of filled that role a little bit. That's and true. And to that end, she if she had just said, well, wipe him and start from slate one, 
she had to consider what's the effect of the psyche on the crew if I do that. That could be more detrimental than if I just make him forget this one thing. And um yeah, that's that's so that's where I'm coming at I it think, from. Right okay. or wrong, that's where I'm coming at. I, it from. My personal belief, there's no right or wrong. My personal belief is that Janeway made the wrong decision for a bunch of different factors. One, exactly what Seven of Nine said. Well, when are you going to abandon me? When are you going to decide you know better than me for my personal health, mental or physical? Um, you said we can but force yeah, you to take your be, meds. I agree. You can force someone to take your meds. I would be different with Seven of Nine because she's actually human. That's yeah. defi- definitively human. But, uh, definitively human whose brain will die if her cortical node goes offline for too long. And, and, Whatever. And, that, that's and, no and, different from and being just, hooked up to a life okay. support yep. machine. Okay. So, okay. I agree. But here we go. Let, let, let me, a couple things here why I think it's wrong. Right, wrong, or indifferent. There are people on that, on that crew who believe the doctor is alive and that Janeway has now taken away and forced a lobotomy on him. Forcing him to take his meds, that's within her power. Isolating him until he's mentally stable within her power. I agree with you in Canada and the United States today. That is within our power. I think it might be fuzzy legal ground if a doctor can tell you we're going to do brain surgery on you and you don't have a choice. Nor does your family. I've decided. She also did the comparison with suicide. And that would be like putting someone on a suicide watch instead of saying, oh, you want to kill yourself? Well, here's the razor. Yes, but I think think it shows a little bit of a callousness of her um, to to say that she's going to choose for him, not give him the choice, make the choice without letting him know, and that she is the final decision on... On this and not him. She doesn't even truly, consider she, what he wants. Well, also, truly she was able to reason with him about it. We've also moved away from lobotomy quite heavily in the modern well, system. Sure. Yeah. But sure. either way, is Janeway right? Is Janeway wrong? Um, I think Janeway's wrong here for a lot of reasons. Uh, I don't think it's morally right. I don't think it's within her power. I think Starfleet's going to have a problem with her if they determine the doctor's alive. If they determine the doctor is just a computer program, they will have no problem with it. Oh, she's going to have, let's be honest, when she gets back, there's going to be a court martial a mile long over a billion choices of hers. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um... Which question do you want to hit next? I'm going to segue. I'm way out of order here, but I'm going to segue back to question one that I sent. And it follows up, is Janeway right or wrong? So we've talked, is she ethically right or wrong here? Now let's talk, is she made the best decision possible, period? Because this is a commentary on mental illness. As I said earlier, is this post-traumatic stress disorder? Is this a psychiatric break? Is this obsessive-compulsive disorder where you can't, you, you're stuck in the same thought pattern? You know, everyone thinks obsessive-compulsive disorder is I've got to touch the doorknob three times before I leave the house. But obsessive-compulsive disorder is... Also, getting lost on one thing and not being able to get out of that one thing in your brain and always coming back to it, it stops you from functioning. You spend four hours looking at something over and over and over again. And I I have a little bit of issues with obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, and people think it's, as I said, touching the doorknob four times. But maybe it's spending five hours on Google images trying to figure out if the bug that you saw in your living room is a species of beetle or a cockroach. <laughs> Even after the Orkin man has told you when you sent him multiple pictures of it, stop sending me photos of dead bugs and it's a beetle. 
But you keep going because you can't identify the exact species of beetle. And I don't want to let you know, but I do know and probably can identify many species of beetle by the photo that you show me of them because I went through them beetle by beetle to try to figure out which one was in my living room. Oh, now. Now I suddenly want to send you photos of beetles for some reason. The doctor is stuck in his own loop here. But this is a much more serious loop. Keeps coming back to it. Two patients. Both equal chance of survival. Who do you choose? Did I make the right choice? And this is what he can't get by. It's his own guilt. Did I make the right choice? Did I make the wrong choice? So there's a commentary on this, on mental illness here. Whether it's obsessive compulsive disorder, whether it's post-traumatic stress syndrome because he made a choice that someone lived and someone died, or whether it's oppressive guilt because he feels that he chose his friend. And he can't rationalize that choice out and he's trying and he doesn't want to be the type of person who set his professionalism aside to just save his friend he wants to be able to rationalize why he made that choice from a medical perspective now all of us as we develop through life will go through an emotionally traumatic experience that we would want to delete from our brain if we could whatever it is so that we don't have to we, we would, in the middle of that, in the moment as we're struggling with it, we would love to be able to go in and eradicate all of those memories and go on in our life as if that never happened. I, but it kind of comes like a Star Trek V thing. I would disagree, where Kirk goes, but you're I need right. my pain. It makes yeah. me, or I won't say all of us will, but a lot of us will. There are things in my, in my life that I would like to forget. You know, there are, there are days that you're not proud of yourself. Throwing a baseball bat at an umpire over a call on a double play in softball playoffs is not something I'm proud of. I would like to delete that memory from my head because it doesn't square with the person that I want to be and that I am on most days. But that guilt, that memory, that pain makes me make a better choice the next time. Now, that's a joking thing about feeling guilty about, you know, losing my temper at an umpire. But there are serious things that we've all done that we wish we did better. Or serious, painful events that we all wish we didn't go through. Do we grow as human beings if we simply eliminate those memories? If you really could lobotomize humans with targeted memory removal or holograms, and even if it would work, is it the right decision to do? Is that the right treatment? Mask the pain, take it away, make it like it never happened. I would say no. So would I. I. I would absolutely say no because... Human experiences is what, I mean, the good and the bad is what makes the person. I mean, there's obviously, again, nurture versus nature, that debate. But the the things you choose has a lot to do with what you remember and what happened. I, hey, I got shocked by touching those, you know, electrical wires. If I took that memory away from me. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to touch those electrical wires again and get shocked. If I remember that's electrical, it will shock me. I'm not touching it. Period. Because I remember pain. And there's a lot of, you know, research saying that pain is actually sears into your memories a lot harder. And that's sometimes why people have issues is because pain and bad feelings really gets into your brain and sticks. It's why we remember all the bad stuff so much better than we remember the yeah. good stuff. But 
it serves a purpose. We remember the bad stuff, so we try to stay away from the bad stuff. It, I think we need it just to develop and to hopefully prevent us from doing what will harm us in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm close to pulling out my other favorite Star Trek science fiction ethical uh, chestnut. To struggle is to grow. <laughs> well, you've already gone through that. So, sickies, if you want to hear that, go back to find that. Um, I guess that was a supplemental. It, it was. Yeah, it was so, way back. Uh, way back. But you can also Google. did one is data a human being. Yeah, data <laughs> have emotions. Go- yes. Google it. You'll find it. It's uh, do androids dream of positronic sheep? I think so. Yes. And yes. the other one is to grow. To struggle, to struggle is, to, is grow. to grow. Yeah. Google that and you'll find it right away. But yes. Yes. Um, let me say this before because I'm going to agree with Thomas and Scott on this. So those of you say, now you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. And here's why. One, we're still, I am still on the outs, whether that doctor was a living thing. Two, I am considering the aggregate need versus the individual. Um, so I'm taking my position on an individual level. If, um, in the greater part of society, let's say I am a homicidal maniac who has, uh, I, I've gone into mass shootings. I went into a shopping mall and shot up 50 people. <clears throat> or I tried. Maybe I didn't succeed, but I tried. And there was a scientific procedure to remove that black flag waving I'm about to pop. I'm angry. We, the people are pissed off kind of attitude where I feel like the only thing I can do is take a gun and start shooting any random person that I perceive as the enemy of the nation or myself or whatever. Well, then it seems to me the ethical thing to do would be to do that because the only other choice is I do this again and I actually kill someone. So, uh, that's a different issue. On the other hand, for very individual things that are not adversely. Now, Thomas is going to go ahead and tell me that, no, because you're a threat, you should be in jail or executed. And I'm saying, well, if you didn't have the procedure, then yeah, yeah, you should be. But or if it makes you happy, give them the choice and say, well, you could get the surgery or you could go to jail. Pick one. Just get out with it already before... No, 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 no. Let me finish my point. I'm not, I didn't say a thing. I, I haven't was stopping thing. myself. I was okay. stopping myself before you did it. Before I let you step in and derail me. Finish like, your point. That's all you two do. You're just giant cows on the railroad track. <laughs> thought well, that's what you are. You guys are derailers. Well, Rabbit trailers. Hey, hey, you're derailing so, yourself. Finish your point. Right now I am, yes. Um, so, um, so to that end, I would say no, though, because I can look back on times in my life, mistakes I've made, um, my first engagement that broke off. If I had not learned from that, I could have not married my current wife because the person I was when I was 22, that my relationship with my current wife, when we were dating, would have been over in a month. 
if I had been the same person I was when I was 22 and she would not have been the same person either. So no, that I, uh, I agree that you need that to, to grow. So go ahead and hit me, Thomas. Okay. Um, I'm, you're kind of right, but when you said group and there's a reason why we have a justice system is for justice. So if someone went and shot someone, justice would not be remembered. Well, Removing their memories, justice would be also needed to be served to help the rest of the families. Th- that's why and I the victims. Tw- that's why I tweaked it and said they didn't succeed. Well, even because I, I said if they did succeed, it's like, well, it doesn't matter then, because yeah, then you need to have justice. Yeah, but let's just say they went in and fire. Let's okay. Better example, that wackadoo kid that went into what is it? Comet Pizza. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He didn't actually kill anyone, so that would be the scenario. Had he done so, I'd be with you, Thomas. No, he's got it. There's a okay. justice system, and he's got to serve. I okay, completely okay. agree with you. No, no. If if actual harm had been inflicted. Okay. I'm 100% with you. Okay. But in okay. the case of the guy like Comet Pizza who just went it, did he did he discharge a bullet? Nope. I don't know. Nope. Okay, so he okay. just waved the right. We don't even have ceiling. a basement. Okay, so so if a person goes in with the desire to do it, does not do it, no what? one is harmed under those Okay, I can understand taking away the desire to do it. Yes, like if they pull out the gun, okay. you don't do it. But they still a police officer has to show up to talk him down. Right now, see, I, I think you might want to watch them very closely. But I can get, I can get behind that a lot better than your first. Yeah, no, that, I did tweak it and pack pedal and say, wait, no, because if they shot yeah. someone, that's yeah, see, no penalty has okay. to be penalty right. has to. Be I think served. we're so we actually agree that. Yep, I'm going to come out. I, I, I'm going to say that I think that lobotomy is the wrong treatment for mental illness. I think that removing the removing the traumatic event instead of learning how to deal with the traumatic event, grow and push through it. Um, you know, it is probably in most cases the better choice than than systematically removing the memories. Mark, to your point that if there's a way to uh, to order someone to to have the surgery, I'm not for forced lobotomies against someone's will, even if it's a criminal. I would give the criminal the option of getting a lighter sentence. Well, I, or I did, being in jail. I did chuck that out and yeah. say, well, you can have this surgery, which will take away your murderousness. Yes. Or you could go to jail. So I'm going to come down on the fact again, that. Like I said, though, yep. if they did the harm, they still have to go through the, the some some punishment. Penalty. Yes. They have yes. To. I agree with you now. I but you will probably never catch me agreeing with government mandated or military captain mandated lobotomy without your choice. In the matter, regardless, uh, I, I think that should be something you have to choose. Now, let me ask you just one quick question before we head on to the listed questions. This was season five, episode 11, Latent Image. We do this because we need the doctor. If the doctor's not able to work, no one can be treated medically. So we have to delete his memories to mm-hmm. fix him. Mm-hmm. What if I told you? Then in season four, episode 23, there is an episode called Living Witness where a backup copy of the EMH with all of his memories got lost 
and left behind on a planet <laughs> that believed Voyager was a tyrannical warship killing everybody and had memories of everything that happened up until that moment and then worked his way home 700 years later. So what if I told you that they've got backup copies of the Doctor? Fully functioning, completely ready to go backup copies of the program. See, then I kind of go, well, that adds another dimension. Yes. Well, it ta- is the Doctor really alive at that point? If I can just duplicate him, I don't think so. I. But no. does Janeway's uh. motivation hold true at this point now? See, I don't uh. need to lobotomize the Doctor. I've got another version of him ready to come online in protected memory. But Scott, right here. Dude, you're executing someone. You're executing someone. Oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not executing someone. Doctor, Doctor Mark One. We're not going to take your memories away. We're going to treat you and get you therapy. Dr. Mark II, you're treating the crew. Yeah. You currently can uh, literally have one go through therapy, make sure they're working fine as you yeah. have the backup working. Well, I have an explanation for that. The backup copy goes crazy too? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Berman apparently wasn't paying attention to his own continuity. Berman paid attention to nothing. Brandon Barato <laughs> wasn't paying attention to anything. He forgets so his own continuity. That's anyway. the explanation for that. Yeah, Ther- see, yeah. another example of why Voyager is great and what people hate about the show. <laughs> it can't remember what it did five seconds ago. 13 episodes ago. <sighs> it can't remember oh. what it yet did somehow, 13 episodes yet, ago. Yet somehow it's still better than anything Kurtzman makes. Yeah, and I could argue it's better than Enterprise at some point. Figure out how, figure that out, how that hole is still better than anything Kurtzman does, most things modern writing does, and pretty much everything the CW does. Because I'm having fun ripping a bit at Voyager and it's inconsistent. I would have an answer, but you don't want to hear me. I'm also comparing Voyager to what I think is the gold standard of science fiction above it and saying why it falls short. It's still, you shot for the moon. And you missed a bit, but you're still yeah. in orbit. Well, th- you know. then again, your space heater can write better than anything on the CW. Correct. So, so <laughs> let's move on as we get this, you know, we're at an hour again. Ooh. This is what happens when we <laughs> talk Star Trek and let me control it. Well, you know, let's see start, if we can power through fun. the last couple it's questions because they're pretty easy here yeah, at this we, point. These won't be as deep discussions. I, I think we also touched on a few of these already. We did. We did. But we did. has Janeway redeemed herself? Uh, no. I mean, she made a decision. What do you mean? Define redeemed. Does she redeem herself by respecting the doctor's self right to self-determination when she finally does? Does it undo the, uh, you know, if you're the doctor and you come out of this, do you forgive Janeway for the first two lobotomies? Because the third time when you caught her red-handed, she said, you know what? Let's try therapy. Well, well I, I would say no, because again, I don't think she's redeemed herself for the simple fact that her first response was lobotomy. Her second response was lobotomy. Finally, therapy only came about after literally the guy gets so paranoid that he begins backing up everything and going into complete conspiracy nuts. And a Borg had to upbraid her about her lack of humanity. The soulless Borg, the embodiment of everything that is not human, gave her a lecture on humanity. And, and, and even then, when she quote unquote <laughs> redeems herself, she redeems herself in the worst possible way, in my opinion. That was a she takes man, herself dude. out of captainship to sit with the guy in therapy. Yeah, you're the captain of a ship who is currently in enemy territory, with possibly going to get attacked, and you're 
purpose is now to take yourself out of command it's decisions for 16 hours without sleep. Your command tactical officer goes to, to you and tells you, you've been up for 16 hours, go to bed. And what do you do? I'm fine. It sounds like what? It sounds like Hitler taking a sleeping pill on the eve of D-Day, and then <laughs> and then while it was going on, we got to tell the Fuhrer. Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's asleep. I mean, we, we don't want to really wake him up. We have hit the sci-fi malady superfecta. Well done, yeah. Mark. You <laughs> hit. Like, you brought. I Hitler haven't up. brought up. I haven't brought up Star Wars yet. No, so we did I it will. in the intro. We did the Christmas the special. Christmas Star Wars. I, uh, we did it in the intro. That, that, it counts. That's too cursory. I'm going to make uh, it. About, I'm going to do counts. better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better and say, this is as bad as Holdo deciding. I don't need to explain. My whole crew is losing morale and heart, but I don't need to explain my plan. I'm just going to condescendingly call my <laughs> chief officer of of star uh, of uh, fighter command, who, by the way, destroyed a giant dreadnought worth trillions of credits and thousands of people. I'm going to derisively and condescendingly laugh at him and say, it's cute. You think about that. It, yes. A, I so. So is well way worse. Trifecta. Uh, then Holdo. No. But then again, you're Chucky doll. I would serve under your Chucky doll before I served under Holdo because somehow I think Chucky is less homicidal towards the crew than Holdo is. Yeah, so that's a new term- thing in the studio. It is a life-size yeah. Chucky doll from the later movies. So and in I simple would- terms, you're saying you wouldn't. Janeway is a hell no. If I had to serve under Janeway, if you told me Holdo or Janeway, 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 Janeway. So I've got. I'm, I'm sorry. Combine- so. To, to answer your question, what was your original question? Because I was too busy bashing Holdo. Uh, I, I actually have forgotten. Oh, did she redeem herself? Oh, did she redeem herself? Yeah. Um, Do you yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so in the eyes of the doctor who tends to think more analytical, probably because he'll look at it in terms and just move on. Did she redeem herself to me? Uh, long answer, yes, with a maybe. Short answer, no, with a but. <laughs> See, uh, I, I don't think if you have to debate that ten, much, I don't think I it know, counts. Exactly. There's like a 10% of... <laughs> I don't like, think... There's a 10, 20% of kind of... <laughs> I'll let Thomas take the clothes on this. I don't think she redeemed herself at all in the eyes of the doctor or her crew. Um, she lobotomized him twice. She was going to do it a third time. And if I'm the crew, I'm just praying to God that I never tick off Captain Janeway because I might be the one that she orders to jump into the transporter of death next time for the betterment of the crew or accept that lobotomy. I guess that's why the crew pretty much stood by idly while she was doing it. Yeah, because the tyrannical leader is currently lobotomizing the person, (laughs) but they've already killed someone lobotomizing. It's like. Well, I think I want to stay on the good side of the captain because I probably will get a nice red shirt and sent to my death soon. Um, so this leads into it. <coughs> you know, we supported individually. Uh, Mark supported individually both actions in the last two weeks. So the action for Tuvix and um, the action this week for the doctor. I was against both of them. Thomas split down the middle. Is there a pattern developing when you combine the two? Our hero is ordering people to kill themselves and ordering them to get lobotomies. Is this a troubling pattern? And then 
would you want to serve under Catherine Janeway? And I'm going to start this off okay. and then let you guys finish. Okay. No! <laughs> no, 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 please get me off the ship of death. Okay? Because I have a, I have a captain who I'm hoping that today is the good day that she's the happy captain who wants to joke around about sumo wrestling. I'm hoping that it's not the day that she is going to decide that I need to die for the betterment of the crew. I'm hoping that it's not the day that she's deciding that I'm not dealing with my um, depression well enough and then I need to go get a forced lobotomy to forget the last year. I'm hoping that this is the day that she's going to be the epitome of a Starfleet captain and not someone who can look at the doctor and say, I've made the decision that's best for your mental health in this ship and I don't care what you have to say about it. This lady is going nuts. She has cracked. And she is she is off kilter. And you don't know which version of her you're going to get. And you're just hoping that it's the nice Captain Janeway today. And not the one that's going to go start a war. Not the one that's going to go try to negotiate an alliance with the Borg today. Because she thinks it's the best way home. Not the one who... For lack of a better term... Might kill you all. I don't want to serve under Janeway. I just don't. Because she has... She's demonstrating a joy to play God. She's not making these decisions reluctantly at times. She makes them. Like the one against the doctor. She's, she, she has no compulsion about lobotomizing the doctor. She was hurt for two vicks. But someone's got to play God. And it's me. And I don't care what the rest of you say. I will make this choice, and I not only am comfortable making it, I want to make it because no one else can make that decision better than me. That's a bit narcissistic, and it's a bit of a God complex. And I don't want that person in command of me, especially when they believe that that extends to fully to matters of life and death. She's not going to order me into the warp core to fix it because it's about to blow up. She's going to order me into the warp core to fix it because I'm the least valuable crew member today and my resources might be better used by someone else. That's what I got to worry is going to happen. You guys? Go ahead, Thomas. Okay, you want to finish. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say serving under absolutely not. And I will kind of explain why when I go into, is she gone crazy? Yes. Yes. She is power hungry to the nth degree. Oh, yeah. That's combined in this question. Has yeah. she gone crazy power hungry? I think she has because I wouldn't want to serve under someone like that. I, I understand, again, military, there's risks, there's involvement, commands make, you know, your command structure, the leader makes hard decisions. But she right now is miles away from anyone who she has to report to and it is obvious as can be she is right now god and she's reveling in it she is always i'm last one i'm in charge i make decisions and she makes decisions quite often which are terrible in the it's like oh okay but then you have to remember you're miles away you are nowhere you're trying to get home that decision makes no sense so, with her making crazy decisions, with her doing this, and the other thing being, as you said, don't want to be on the bad side because apparently she can just make your life miserable or lobotomize you or whatever she wants. 
you have to pray. You have to pray. And I think this would affect crew morale the most. Because if my commanding officer on a ship, which I don't want to serve on a ship, period, but that's a separate issue, um, was sitting there telling me, oh, yeah, I'm going to kill this guy. Or I'm going to send this guy into the most dangerous mission ever. Uh, why? Is he a Navy SEAL? No, just because I don't... I think he's not important. I'm sorry, what? If your commanding officer is... I mean, heaven forbid, you're stranded and supposed to get you home and is making decisions that could get your ship destroyed by smuggling people through a enemy zone. Oh, I don't think this might not be the best situation, but okay. Hey, Lieutenant Pyle, how you feeling today? You uh, recovered from that experience on the on the on the planet where you had to shoot those troopers and you accidentally blew up a school? Uh, yes, sir. yes, sir, yes, sir. I feel great. I feel fantastic. I have no bad memories. Please don't lobotomize me. <laughs> you sure you're okay? I I want to have you go down to the doctor after I fixed him and, and see if you're okay today. I, I'm fine. I, I I think I have to go fix the warp core for some odd reason. I, Captain, please turn to your emergency medical hologram channel. <laughs> I don't understand why, but the crew is unwilling to talk to me about their mental health. <laughs> <laughs> I think that something has happened that has made people unwilling to admit that they might be suffering from stress, depression, or post-traumatic stress. Let's be. I don't think it's healthy. Let's be honest, right? Which crew members <laughs> do you suspect this from? <laughs> also, let's be honest, right now... You, the Vulcan would right now be worried about a mutiny. Let's be honest. The mutiny would probably be happening against Captain Tyrant. Mark? <laughs> I'm inclined to say no. Um, I suppose there are worse choices. Um, and, and I'm saying no, but I have to consider one. I haven't seen all of the show. So right now we're getting the snapshots of the worst decisions she's made. And don't tell me, Scott, but based on what I know, there could be a bunch of other episodes where she does make a good call. I'm going to so, find good Janeway next week. So but and Scott could come in and slash that down, but I'm not going to let him because I'm making a decision based on what I know. Yeah, that's now. fair. That's fair. So that's we're looking at two snapshots of bad calls. I could do the same with Eisenhower and go, Bad General, cut him! It's like, well, um, yeah, of course, he made a couple dumb calls or anyone else for that matter. Um, so, and I'm reminded of uh, the movie U571, where uh, mm. Lieutenant Tyler, Matthew McConaughey's character, well loved by the crew, chummy with all of them, which is exactly why he didn't get the promotion to captain. Because Bill Paxton's character, who was the captain, the lieutenant commander, whatever, Mike something, said, you don't know how to make the call. When you need to make a call that'll sacrifice a guy's life, you can't make it because you're too chummy with the crew. Yep. And uh, eventually he develop he changes. I mean, eventually he does alter that throughout the movie. But at the beginning, that was the state he's in. It was you can't make the tough calls because you're too busy thinking about the well-being of individual crew members. And I'm assuming that's given the severity of the situation they're in. That's what Janeway's thinking. Now, that having been said, 
does she seem to, at least in this episode, revel in her choice? Well, it sure seems like it. Uh, at least in Tuvix, she looked sad about it. She showed remorse, which is why I'm saying my inclination is no with a but. And it also goes back to I'd rather serve under her than Holdo, who's going to derisively make fun of me because I look at her for any kind of command and she's going to flaunt her giraffe neck purple hair at me like I'm some kind of idiot for expecting her to ha- for for looking at me to look at her for faith. Well, so honestly, I would actually be happier with Janeway as a captain if she was more authoritative, more direct and in her. I wouldn't say authoritarian, but more authoritative. There we go. When she made a decision, she made the decision for the best of crew and all that. And she was a command decision. She separated herself. She's captain. She's up here. She has officers. You go to up chain of command. But she also does this chummy motherly thing all the time with well, the whole that's, crew. That's I'm sorry. Thing. If you're going to be a captain, be a captain. Yeah, pick, Don't be a the, pick a position. Right. Because she's bouncing around and being bipolar almost all the time, <laughs> I can't take her seriously as a captain where I'm like, well, is, is this captain going to be my captain today? Or is my captain going to be, hi, buddy, I'm your friend. I'm your chum today. Please tell me today she got coffee and not Neelix is better than coffee, not coffee. <laughs> all right, let's rate this thing. How many holographic cameras out of 10 do we want to give it? Who wants to start us? You. Me? Okay. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Robert Picardo's acting in this as the doctor is amazing. It's the high point of this episode in some ways. I mean, he is... Guy gives a master class. And a lot of times he would rewrite his lines and they just let him do it because anything he would write would be better than the script writer. And I'm sure he did that again in this, in this show. Um, I think this could have been a ten if they would have went with the original ending. In the original ending, the doctor doesn't wake Janeway up when she falls asleep. He simply realizes that his friend who's trying to care for him has exhausted herself and reads the book and the quote in the book about a new page of a new life. The first page of a new life is something he can start building today and moving forward, which was a more powerful ending. But Brandon Braga wanted to write his ending, which has the waking her up in a fever and then she's going to go off to her quarters, which definitely was not the better of the two. It could have been better at that point. Um, it loses points for the things that I've talked about. Schizophrenic Janeway, the Borg shouldn't have had to, when you are so callous that, that the heartless Borg tells you, um, well, how you need to feel as a human. Janeway's too all over the place in this for it to be a 10, but I will give it a nine because of all the things that we can talk about in here. Um, medical triage. We didn't even get into that. How would you decide that if you were the doctor? Um, all the things that I mentioned at the beginning, it's all there. It's wonderful amazing science fiction and it's something you can watch this episode and it will make you think and you might still be thinking a few days later about it and it, it you will exp- you will come to realizations about yourself and about humanity if you think about what's in this episode long enough it's a nine okay i'm going to give it 8.5 it's a good episode and absolutely acting by oh he is fantastic when he's acting here He's my favorite character on the series. But it, it's and, and the conspiracy and the whole bit going on, it's it's entertaining and draws you in. But it does just fall flat in some areas and it really is jawing, especially when it goes from act two to act three, where it goes from he's a toaster basically to he's a 
sentient. It's like, did I miss something? You really came to that decision quickly. Did I skip? A, did I accidentally hit skip? Did I hit forwards? Was there a, com- a whole bit? What happened? It, it, there's a bunch in it that just jars and doesn't mesh well. And the ending, you are absolutely right. The ending is atrocious and made no sense to me. And pretty much up to that, I was like, oh, this is a good episode. This is a great episode. Uh, what? I'm sorry. What? You're going to end me? That's the credits. What? <laughs> so it loses points that way. It, 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 it just does. It definitely was an abrupt ending like that, and it did lose a point for me as well. Um, I give it an eight or a nine uh, for all the reasons we mentioned. Um, it was it was primal Trek. It was Trek as it should be. It's it discusses personhood. It discusses uh, what will you do in this horrible situation? Can you make when given a situation where the choice isn't obvious, what is the best choice to make? You know, what is the lesser of two or three evils? And do you think you can make it? And I like Scott, how you put it, that there is no real good answer. She does the answer you disagree with, but you also have to admit that the alternative sucked too. So even though you felt that your choice was the lesser, you were still left going, oh, but it's still an evil. It's still not the best choice. The ideal choice was not happening. Yep. So, um, and that's why it was good Trek. It's, it's an eight, but it, the bipolar, I like how you put that, Thomas, the bipolar nature of Janeway coupled with the ending just really knocks it down those points. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, for a minute, usurp uh, first chair just so I could promote. Yeah, I was going to take it away. I was going to say, I want to. Let's go into our normal ending landing routine. Landing gear down, (laughs) co pilot moving away, pilot (laughs) taking the seat. So, uh, well, I'm the co pilot this month. But no, that's why I said I'm the co I'm moving away. You let the co pilot fly for a while. Time to land. Bring the pilot in. Uh, you get uh, sickies this month. You could check out what else is going on in Raving Lunatic Media. We all uh, an episode dropped today of Cold Case Chase, the Riddle of Room Ten Forty Six. I have a small cameo in that, and it's a bit, a bit of a different take. It's uh, Ruck and Shane have a little bit of a discussion, almost kind of an MS Three K kind of vibe with it. It's actually interesting. Um, so check that one out. We also had our last episode of ZTF drop on New Year's Day, and it's it's probably one of our best episodes as of yet, but that remains to be seen. Uh, you could always listen in and give me your take on it. We'll be happy to hear that either on our Discord page or on uh, the website, which Scott will tell us in a minute. Also go to Raving Lunatic Media on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts, by the way. ZTF is on Apple. To check out things like A Case of the Chills. Layla's going to be giving us another season soon. And also uh, uh, Case Closed. We'll be we'll be getting another season of that soon. So you could weigh in on what you think of this episode or what you think the best episode of ZTF is. You could do it on our Discord page, Raving Lunatic Media, or you can also do so at www.chainwayslobotomylaboratory.com. Oh, uh, 
ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Forget all other podcasts that you've ever listened to that are not on ravinglunaticmedia.com, or I will send you to Janeway's Laboratory Laboratory. Ragemaster, what's left for them to do? Stay six And remember, seven of tits. Get in the lobotomy chair. 